the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is paid for by Mike Boyle. He's spent almost 40 years in and around the restaurant industry. He's been an owner and an operator. He's a member of the Colorado Restaurant Hall of Fame. The last quarter of a century, his radio shows have been keeping you updated on the ever-changing Colorado restaurant scene, where he invites you to join him, both on the air and for meals at area restaurants. He's Mike Boyle, and this is The Restaurant Show. Get it on. It's 4.06, and we are back for the second hour of the Restaurant Show. I'm your host, Mike Boyle. It is Saturday, February 25th. Happy to have you aboard. In the last hour, right towards the end of the hour, we took a call from David and Thornton, and uh, David has an enjoyment of pizza. He is stuck with the hand-tossed, and he was wondering if he ought to branch out a little bit. And I was explaining to him that, uh, you know, I used to have a friend that um, had a number of cars, and, uh, you know, you can only drive one at a time. Why do you need five, six, seven cars, even if you can afford them? And his response was, and I think we can apply this to the restaurant show. I think we can apply this to food. He said, you know what? Sometimes I'm in the mood for just a beat up old Jeep to get up into the mountains and have some fun. And other times, I'm in the mood to speed around town in a nice new Porsche. And I, I, I kind of feel the same way. When somebody says to me, what's your favorite restaurant? What's the best restaurant in town? What is the best pizza in town? And I think that you limit yourself a little bit because sometimes I'm in the mood for a $90 prime age steak on a sizzling platter like gets put out by Ruth Chris. Sometimes I'm in the mood for a sloppy burrito. And when I did my dining guides, I wrote two dining guides that were published, sold out, did very well down in Colorado Springs. I didn't do five forks, four forks. I didn't give them a rating. They were the recommended restaurants of Mike Boyle. Because you know what? If you're hungry at 3 o'clock in the morning... Waffle House will do pretty good. The other restaurants aren't open. There's an old saying, if you've never worn silk, burlap feels pretty good. And so I just think that that's an important distinction to make. When I go to a cocktail party, when I go to a business meeting, the first question I get, so what's the best restaurant in town? So what's, well, and all you're doing is you're setting yourself up for 
you're setting yourself up to be disagreeing with the person that's asking the question. So when somebody says to me, of all the restaurants in town, which one do you like best? Well, you know, I don't necessarily say this, but it's which one of your children do you like best? You can't answer that question. 303-696-1971, 303-696-1971. So my advice in the last hour, if you missed it, to David was get out and try some different types of pizza. He likes Italian sausage on it. Great. You can try that. Or you can try a different topping or two. But that's one of the things that we try to do here on the show. I don't try to tell you where to go, but I try to throw enough stuff out there, kind of a shotgun approach, so that you say, hmm, maybe I ought to try it. We got a great call in the last hour from Burton in Inglewood. His wife and daughter went out and tried the new cauliflower sandwich at Chick-fil-A. I've tried it. Is it going to be my go-to? No, but I'll tell you this. If you were starving, you'd eat it all day long, okay? But if you'd like to go out and try something new, go on out and try it. I think you'll find that there's an awful lot of stuff out there. Get out of your rut ever so slightly. All right, I understand we have Dennis on the line. I tried to go to El Rancho a week ago today. I will tell you about the experience, and Dennis will share his experience when we come back on The Restaurant Show. Mike Bull, host of the Restaurant Shows, with some great news for you. India's Restaurant, 8921 East Hamden, right across from the Kennedy Golf Course, been around for over 30 years. Chris Kapoor has been serving great Indian cuisine in this town for over 30 years. Well, they are open, rocking and rolling, ready for you to stop by. Yeah, you can still do takeout if you want to do that, but they can dine in. You can go and enjoy this beautiful, beautiful building, and if you want to go for lunch, the buffet is wide open open. You know, you used to have to go and say, I want some of this and some of that. They'd fix it. They'd serve it. Now you go through the buffet. I always start with a salad. Then I get myself some buttered chicken and sog paneer and uh, chicken tikka masala, some naan bread. Oh, I mean, I'm telling you what, the food is absolutely wonderful. They're open for dinner. And don't forget, India's Restaurant, 8921 East Hamden, also has a great private party room. And they are looking forward to seeing you. Many of you have been to, even frequent, casual neighborhood places like the office, kitchen, and bar, and the library, both in Castle Rock, and the gym located on Main Street in Parker. Good food, active bar scene, plenty of TVs to catch your favorite sporting events, but now Mike Hernandez, owner of all three, has a new place. It's in Parker, and it's called the Taco Company. Not your usual tacos, but a wide range of traditional Mexico-style tacos. You know, two tortillas covered with many choices like beef, chicken pastor, chorizo. And then you finish them off by heading to the salsa bar to make them just the way you want. Dine in, take out, or even use the drive through window. The Taco Company also has a full-service bar, so you can complement your meal with an ice-cold Mexican cerveza, maybe a margarita, or your favorite cocktail. Taco Company in Parker is open seven days a week. So if you like the office, the library, the gym, maybe it's time to try the Taco Company, serving a little bit of Mexico right here in Colorado. The Taco Company. 
Hey, but it's Mike, and I like hot sauce. You know what? Recently, I was at Danny Cash Hot Sauce over 3545 South Platte River Drive right off of Santa Fe and Hampton, and I was looking at all the different types of unique hot sauce they have and all the different hot sauces they carry, and I thought, I'm going to get Danny Cash on the air. Danny, welcome to the show, and what goes well with hot sauce? Everything, Mike. Absolutely everything. Well, I can imagine, because I've gotten to the point where I like to put it on everything. I remember I had Pete Coors out of Cal Poly for a beer seminar one time, and people said, what goes well with your beer? And he said, everything goes well with my beer. And it's kind of the same way with hot sauce. They've got over 50 signature brands. They can private label. Danny, how do people reach you? Hit us up on the website at dannycash.com. All right, folks. He's got wonderful flavors. He can do private labels for you. Give him a visit. They would love to see you. Check it out. Danny Cash Hot Sauce. All right, 13 minutes after 4 o'clock, uh, we just did a spot for India's Restaurant, 8921 East Hamden. I went there for lunch this week. I love Chris Kapoor. He's a wonderful, wonderful man, a beautiful place, and the food is so good. And you know what? He's got that buffet working for lunch, and it was busy. I had some mushroom curry. Yeah, I had the sog paneer. I had the butter chicken, chicken tikka masala. I had a salad to start, but I saw mushroom curry, and I put some of that on that basmati rice, and I'm telling you what, it was really, really good. All right, last Saturday, I was coming back from my two-week driving trip around New Mexico, Arizona, California, Nevada, Utah, and back into Colorado. I was coming out of Rifle, and I had left early in the morning. It was President's Day Saturday. I didn't know if I was going to have any traffic problems. Didn't have any at all coming east. Going west was a little bit busy. Um, So I thought, well, I'll stop off at the El Rancho restaurant that has been taken over by Frank Bonanno and his restaurant group. He's a talented guy. He's a nice man. He figures it out. He's got Mizuna, had Mizuna for years. He's got about eight or nine places. I can't name them all, but he's a talented guy. He's a nice guy. He's been a guest on the show a few times. But it opens at 1030. I got by there about 930. I thought the traffic might slow me down a little bit more. So I didn't go in. And I got a call from Dennis White. Dennis is uh, a longtime restaurant man, lives in Conifer, and he's very good about getting out. He and his wife, Charlene, he's kind of an unofficial roving reporter for the Mike Boyle Restaurant Show. And when he told me about his experience, it almost made me glad that I didn't get into the El Rancho. doesn't mean I'm not going to try it, but we've got him on the air, and I thought we'd have him share the experience. Dennis, welcome to the show. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking So what? tell the listeners about your experience briefly. We don't need to get into all the um, dishes and all the different stuff you tried, but I'd like to get into what you did have and the pricing of it and what you found when you got the bill. Can you take listeners through that quickly, please? Sure. I had the uh, French dip, uh, $20. My wife had the, the Reuben, $19. They were, they were both good. You know, I wouldn't drive across town just to to go get those. We have to be in the area. Mm-hmm. And when, when we got our bill, uh, we just had waters. And uh, um, there's a 20%. It's a customer 
a, a customer happiness fee. I think that's how they do it. So that's automatically put on your bill. And if you want to tip, you can tip. And uh, uh, you know, we usually we, we usually tip twenty twenty five percent, maybe more. It, dep- it, it depends. Uh, um, you know, if we're sitting at a bar for happy hour, we always take care of the bartender very well. Um, but uh, you have twenty two percent, and just exploring his restaurant, and he's uh, obviously a very successful man. Um, that's what they put on at most of his places that I've seen. Twenty-two percent. So if you go into Mizuna and party, well, I think the, I think most of us have gotten used to a three percent credit card fee. We've gotten used to a uh, uh, half a percent of a PIF public improvement fund fee. Um, in Colorado Springs, I know of a place that puts a utility surcharge on because their utilities have gone up. I've made it very clear on my shows that I just think that any cost you incur should be built into the price of whatever you are offering. But 22%, that means I'm going to round up your wife's Reuben to $20. So you had a $20 French dip and she had a $20 Reuben. So on a $40 bill, there is automatically a 22% increase on that. Obviously, you have taxes on that. I'm not sure I would call it a customer happiness fee as much as I might call it an employee happiness fee. Um, But if you have a $100 meal, two or three, four people, that means that your bill is not $100. Your bill is $122. Do I understand that correctly, Dennis? Yeah, you're correct. And and you get the feeling... They want more because there's still that tip line on there. Yeah. Um, and I didn't talk to the. Uh, uh, I would be in. I would be in. This goes back to me, to the uh, automatic um, 18, 20% for parties of six or more. It's like you go out with five other people and automatically everybody has forgotten how to tip. I, I, I will tell you um, that I would be reluctant at a 22% happiness fee to put anything on the tip line. That, and if it was exceptional, maybe the bartender, I was sitting there by myself and she was exceptionally social and good looking, I might slip her a couple of dollars cash. But I think that when you start getting into the 22% mandated, I think you are getting into a territory where no tip is, and I know there's people out there listening that are in the industry and they're screaming at the radio right now, Dennis, but I think that when that is dictated, that takes out for me generally an incentive on the part of the staff to do an exceptional job. You know, I I totally agree. When I had my restaurant and I had it up here for nine years, we had PIF, we had to have gone, and uh, um, 2%. And at least once or twice a week, I'd have somebody stop and they go, what's this? And I'd exp- explain them what the fee was. And they go, I'm not going to pay. And I go, fine, here's 75 cents back or a dollar or whatever, just to maintain my customer relations. But 22% and whether people have money or not money, I think that uh, uh, um, People don't like to be dictated like that in 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 the restaurant businesses. Why not just charge a cover charge? You know, when yeah. 
when when you walk into a place. Five dollars to walk in the door, or whatever. I I, I just I'm, I struggle with all of these fees, and I realize that they are a sign of the times. I realize that Danny Myers and his union hospitality group out of New York went with a no tipping policy. They institute a service charge. Uh, the 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 impression was that this was going to be a groundswell. You know what? It's not. We're going to be back and talk about a book on the Mike Boyle Restaurant Show. News Talk 710, KNUS. Hey, but it's Mike. Don't panic. Hold your horses. Don't be confused. Black-eyed peas are operational, up and running, still serving chicken, fried chicken, still serving that pot roast, lots of different sides. Maybe you saw that after 35 years... Black Eyed Pea decided not to renew their lease on Colorado Boulevard. But that doesn't mean they're not in Pueblo, Colorado Springs, Castle Rock, Westminster, Lakewood. They've got stores all up and down the front range. They've been around for years and years. They do an absolutely wonderful job. I don't want you to be confused. I want you to go see my buddy Stephen Michelle Shaw. They are the owners and operators. They do a fabulous job. And not only do they have the chicken fried chicken and the pot roast, but you know what? They've got plenty of other dishes as well. Well, they do veterans discounts. They've got a seniors menu as well. Save you a little bit of money. But visit. It's good old stick to the rib American food. Visit your local Black Eyed Pea. For over a decade now, Crave Real Burgers in Castle Rock have been putting out great burgers. Not just Mike's favorite, the Cheesy Jane, which is just a big, thick, juicy, regular half-pound burger cooked to order with cheese, but also over a dozen gourmet burgers. Or if you want to call them chef-inspired burgers, maybe one stacked with deep-fried onion rings, another sandwiched between two donuts, and even one with roast beef piled on top. The fries are delicious, and if you want something a little different and a little decadent, try the chili cheese fries. Crave also makes great milkshakes, lots of different flavors, and because Crave has a liquor license, they can also make you an adult-style milkshake, if you know what we mean. Crave is open seven days a week, serving lunch and dinner, and is located in the same parking lot as the Castle Rock Theater. There's plenty of free parking, and remember, Crave perfected takeout and delivery during the shutdown. It's a fun place to dine in, but if taking it to go is more your style, they can handle it. So when you get that burger craving, remember, Crave Real Burgers in Castle Rock is there for you. Crave Real Burgers. Hey, everybody, it's Mike. And if you've listened to The Restaurant Show with any regularity, if you've gone to my website, MikeBoyle.com, if you've clicked on blog, you know I am a fussed budget about my margaritas. I've got the world-famous Mike Boyle margarita recipe on my website, but I was approached not so very long ago by a company called Coyote Gold Margaritas. These are margaritas in a can. They're part of what's called RTDs, ready to drink. So instead of needing to have tequila and triple sec and sweet and sour, they do it all for you. They put it in a can, and it's available at many, many area liquor stores. They approached me. I said, okay, I'm a little skeptical. Put some salt around the rim. I poured it on ice, and I said, these things are good. These people have a winner. Check it out. It's called Coyote Gold Margaritas. They've got some flavors, but I think it'll save you a lot of ease, and you can come home and relax and make yourself a nice margarita. News Talk 710 KNUS. Listen live on Odyssey. 
All right, welcome back to the Mike Boyle Restaurant Show, where we talk about restaurants and travel and movies and books and sports and whatever we feel like talking about, stuff that you enjoy, stuff that you do in your leisure time. Well, it was about two or three months ago, I got a call from a listener, and he said, have you read the latest C.J. Box book, Shadows Reels? And I said, no, I wasn't really familiar with it. It hadn't crossed my radar. He said, it's very, very good. So I got it, enjoyed it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to contact CJ and see if he'd like to come on and talk about that book. Contacted his publicist. And Katie told me, she said, well, Mike, he's got a new one coming out on February 28th. And would you like to talk to him about Stormwatch? And I said, yes, but you know my rules, my show, my rules. I bring people on, authors, how can I recommend a book if I haven't read it? Well, I've read Stormwatch, and it is very, very good. But my primary concern with Charles James Box Jr., known as C.J. Box, is that he's been holding out on me. So we're going to get him on the air, and we're going to confront him about that. C.J., welcome back to the Mike Boyle Show. Happy to have you. Well, thank you, and thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. A Wyoming boy born in Casper, Wyoming, but with Colorado roots, a graduate of Denver University. So, CJ, are you curious? I know that you would like to talk about your new book, Stormwatch, the 23rd in the Joe Pickett Wyoming Game Warden series. But I'm a little bit concerned about you. You've been holding out on me, CJ. (laughs) I went to the Castle Rock Library. And on display under new releases was C.J. Box's book, Treasure State. Wait a minute. What's all that about? Who is Cassie Duell? And anyway, I read Treasure State, and I loved it. And I went back and read all of the previous Cassie Duell books leading up to that. Why didn't I know about this? What's going on? Why are you holding out on me? Oh, I'm not intentionally holding out on you by any means. Um, <laughs> okay. You're yeah, forgiven. There, there, I, the, the main series, obviously, has been the Joe Pickett series, which is uh, first book came out in 2001. There's been one book ever since. Mm-hmm. So um, Stormwatch, the new one, is the 23rd. Uh-huh. And um, it, it, within that time sp- span, I uh, also I didn't mean to start a second series. I just wanted to, to do some standalones, but they tended to start – Featuring the same character, which is Cassie Duell and a guy named Cody Hoyt. Right. And uh, it's kind of culminated, starting out with the book The Highway, mm-hmm. which then became, that inspired the ABC series um, Big Sky. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, every few years there's been a Cassie Duell book, and the last one came out last September um, and did very well. And then I'm looking forward to this this new one to come out later this month. You know what, CJ? I think you've got a pretty good gig. You live up there in Wyoming. You live on a ranch. And so you find an awful lot of stories just by wandering around and knowing people and talk to them. I got the impression with Cassie Duell, of course, her stories take place in Montana. Uh, you know, you go up there and you find these little towns in an out-of-the-way county and a, a local sheriff celebrity and a local bar and some of the local people and you sit down and you have a beer and the next thing you know you say I think I could write a book about this nice little town or this county or this area does that have anything to do with it 
that has a lot of truth to it. Um, you know, I, I, I come up, you know, I have different ideas, obviously, plot lines, mm-hmm. but it's always really important to me to um, go to the location where the book is set. And I never go there and walk around going, hi, I'm C.J. Box. I'm writing, an off- I'm writing a book about this place. I just sort of poke around. I know I go to the restaurants. Just kind of absorb it. Librarians. Yeah. Yeah. Observe, um, read the history, um, go to the museums, that kind of thing. So I really get a good feel um, for the communities. And I love to do that. And then when I, when I write the book, I try to make it as authentic to those places where they're set as I can. Um, I think readers like that. I think readers like to be transported to a place they may not know. But I know for me, it's extremely important to, to feel comfortable in that in that place or environment before I actually start writing. And you know, CG, I think that the, I'll tell you something where I think an awful lot of readers may miss out. Yes, you transport them to those places, but then I will go and look them up. I want to see where that county is in Montana. I want to see where Saddle String is in Wyoming. I want to even check out the bars that you mentioned. That's one of the things that I love about reading maybe Michael Conley. He'll talk about having breakfast in Koreatown of Los Angeles. Because I think that not only is the book entertaining, but it gives you some growth. It gives you some learning. And I have had times when I have pulled into town, when I have pulled into bars and I said, I read about you in a book. And most of the local people even know what book I'm talking about. So I take it even a little bit farther. And I would encourage listeners to do that, CJ. I, I would, too. Um, you know, I, there is a mix of fictional locations and actual locations. Sure, absolutely. Yep. Um, but the actual ones, when I actually name the name of the restaurant or bar or hotel or whatever in a real community, I try to make it as um, actually as, as authentic as I can and, um, you know, go into the place, eat there, sure. look at the menu, sure. feature the menu in the book if necessary. And um, I, I like... I just think, you know, readers have to suspend disbelief to read crime, mystery, thriller books you anyway. Bet. You bet. So why why make it over the top, you know, um, provide as much realism as a base as possible and then tell the story beyond that? Well, and I've even taken it further when people will say, well, I read the book and I saw the movie and the movie wasn't quite as accurate. Well, you know, you're trying to get a 400 page book into a two hour movie. So something's got to give a little bit. That's right. And, and you know what? I think that's one of those great myths is, uh, you know, everybody knows that the book is better than the movie and or TV show mm-hmm. that it's based on. And um, the great thing about having, uh, you know, for me, two TV shows right now with uh, Big Sky and then Joe Pickett, which is on Paramount Plus, is that it has enticed a lot of new readers to the books. Um, they want to know where that source material comes from. Yes. Just like you do. And you're talking about it. want to know more about the places. And, you know, for, a, for an author, there's no better thing than to see 
you know, the, the backlist sales start to climb because people are interested in the earlier books that they weren't aware of. CJ, I want you to know we're talking with CJ Box, author. We are going to talk about your new book, Stormwatch. I don't want you to call up your publicity and say that pub- publicist and say that jerk Boyle down in Denver. He didn't even want to talk about the new book. He was talking about my Cassie Duel book. So I just want you to know we'll get to Stormwatch. Is that okay? <laughs> of course it is. All right. So I'll tell you something else. To, a couple of things. Um, we have at our Salem Broadcasting, one of our tech guys is a retired 25-year police officer. CJ's books about Cassie Duell, she's a private investigator up in Montana, are about a serial killer that drives a big rig. Well, when you think about it, you know, you can commit a crime and move on. You can commit a crime and move on. And he kills in an awful lot of instances women that prey on truck stops. They're known as lot lizards. And I was so fascinated with it. I asked this 25-year police veteran if we have lot lizards at some of the truck stops here in Denver and Colorado. And he said, every truck stop in America has lot lizards. Tell them, (laughs) tell the listeners what a lot lizard is. Well, they're, they're basically truck stop prostitutes. Yeah. And, um, they, uh, it, it's when you really get into it, um, it gets more and more fascinating because um, some of the prostitutes are, are basically, you know, everyday run-of-the-mill prostitutes. Others sometimes are just moonlighting. Yeah, um, there's some really interesting a, a little, stories. A little about, side hustle. Yeah, a little side hustle. Yeah, and um, the thing about you know, many years ago, but when I wrote that book, The Highway. Um, I read that the, the FBI had created what they called a Highway Serial Killer Task Force. Yeah. Because at that stage, that was probably eight, nine years ago, they thought there might be as many as 10,000 missing truck stop prostitutes across the U.S. Wow. And that it was maybe the work of 20, 24 drivers. Both those sets of numbers have doubled over the years for the reasons that you mentioned. That is, um, you know, when a prostitute is abducted by a, a truck driver, um, they may commit the crime seven states away, yeah. and it's very, very difficult to track them down. Yeah. And so I try to kind of get into the head of the truck driver and also um, the cops pursuing him, which is you know Cody Hoyt and then later Cassie Duell, and that stretched over several books. It's very creepy stuff. It really um, is. Yeah. We one of our producers, one of our producers at our Denver Station Group, is a former long haul trucker. And he said, not only is it legit, but he said something very interesting. You talk about the truck stop prostitutes and the ones that are doing a little bit of a side hustle, picking up a little money on the side. He said, you know what the difference is? You know how you can tell the full time truck stop prostitutes versus the others? Look at their teeth. And he said the pros, the long timers, most of them have a drug addiction problem, will have a meth problem, Mm -hmm. and their teeth will display whether or not, and the others will have this bright, beautiful smile, and uh, anyway, we're talking with C.J. Box, we're talking about his Cassie Duel series, but let's take a break, and we're going to come back and talk about his new book, Stormwatch, and I got one more question about Montana, we'll ask C.J. that when we come back on The Restaurant Show. Hey, 
it is Mike, and you know, for as long as I can remember, as long as I've been on the air, I've been telling you about the Black Hat Cattle Company up on Highway 74 in Kittredge. It's about eight miles up from Morrison, a few miles down from Evergreen, owned and operated by Dave Rodriguez. I've known Dave. He's been in the restaurant business over 40 years. He does a great job. It's got this beautiful Colorado feel. He's got a wonderful collection of Western art, but it's the food. It's a steakhouse. They are open for dinner five days a week. You can call them for a reservation, 303-670-0941. But I recently had a meal up there that was unbelievable. I walk in, I was sitting with Dave, and I said, I want a baseball cut top sirloin. That's the center of the sirloin. It was prepared perfectly by Elizabeth, been with him for years. But get on up to the Black Hat Cattle Company. Tell them you want a baseball cut, and tell them you heard about it from Mike Boyle on The Restaurant Show. If you've ever been to Cuba, you know how wonderful the food is. If you've never been to Cuba and you want to find out, make plans to stop by Cuba Cuba in Castle Rock. Located by the promenade shops on the north side of the factory outlets, Cuba Cuba is the brainchild of Christy Bigelow, a first-generation Cuban-American. Her mother and grandmother escaped from Cuba years ago, settled in Miami, and proceeded to raise their families. While thrilled to be in the United States assimilating, they still long for the foods of their native country. And what do Latina moms and grandmothers do? They teach their daughters to carry on those same colors traditions, And they must have taught Christy Bigelow pretty well, because now she has seven Cuba Cubas serving great Cuban delights. Yeah, seven. The original cafe and bar at 12th and Delaware in downtown Denver. Then she opened up five sandwich areas. And those are sandwich shops where you can get great Cuban sandwiches. They're in Northfield, Highlands Ranch, DTC, Glendale, and Thornton. And then she opened up another full-service restaurant in Castle Rock. So pretty much wherever you're looking for great Cuban food in the metro area, check out the Cuba Cuba restaurants. Oh, and by the way, Christy is really proud of that Cuban specialty, the mojito, a rum concoction guaranteed to make you happy. Cuba, Cuba. Hey, everybody, it's Mike, and I've got some great news for you. Grinelli's Pizza in Castle Rock is open. Mike, what's the big deal? They've been around for almost 20 years. Yes, but for 20 years, they've been Monday through Saturday, closed Sunday. I talked to Angie, the owner, and I said, Angie, Sunday's a big pizza day. We've got beautiful residency right in downtown Castle Rock. People live all over the Douglas County area. You are the neighborhood go-to pizza. You're serving that Chicago-style pizza, what you like to call Midwest-style pizza, where you put the ingredients, the toppings, underneath the cheese. But you know what? Now they are open Sunday. Finally, I talked her into it. Granelli's Pizza open at 11 o'clock, seven days a week. They've got dine-in. Yep, they've got beer and wine. And you can take out, and they even do delivery. So Granelli's Pizza, 21 Wilcox in Casserot, seven days a week, open at 11 o'clock stop by and say hello to angie and tell her you heard about it on the restaurant show doesn't an ice cold mountain dew sound good as we return to the mike boyle restaurant show all right moving on we are with cj box author and happy to have him aboard he writes the joe pickett Joe Pickett is a game warden in Wyoming. But we just spent the last segment with him taking, uh, being taken to task for me not knowing about the Cassie Duel books. Uh, there's, there's one of those, uh, CJ, six of those, I believe, right? I've read all of them. Five or six? That's correct. Okay, six. And I did another question. The most recent one came out last September is Treasure State. And I always thought, 
Montana wants to be known as the treasure state because of their history with gold and silver. And, of course, uh, uh, William Clark, named after Clark County, Nevada, is named after him. And there's Clarksdale, uh, Arizona, and there's a Clarksdale. One, one of the, I mean, what, Rockefeller rich, one of the three most rich people ever, ever, ever in America – there's a wonderful book out about him and his, his eccentricities called Empty Mansions. Have you, are you familiar with that, CJ? I have heard of it. I haven't read it, but it's on my radar. Well, and the mansion in Santa Barbara, which still has cars from the 1940s and 1950s and those license plates, fresh flowers are still put out every day. It's attended. It just recently opened up for tours in Santa Barbara. It's it's an interesting, interesting story. But I thought that the state motto of Montana for years and years, wasn't it big sky country? I think the state motto is the tre- is treasure state, but they, on their license plate, uh, marketing, tourism, marketing, um, has always been big, the big sky state. You know, so they've had both. You know what I'll tell listeners? If you go up there in the summer, and it's obviously a little farther north, the days are long, the nights are short, but I remember going to a minor league baseball game up there, and it was something like 10 o'clock at night, and the sky in Montana, CJ, is really, really big, isn't it? Yes, it is, and, and it, I mean it, it, it's a great description of that place. I I would say that you know, kind of big sky feel is also the same in Wyoming, especially northern Wyoming. But yeah, once once uh, even as even like Yellowstone Park, where you gain an extra half hour, forty five yep, minutes yep, yep. of sunlight every night in the summer, it's very special. We have a wonderful supporter of the shows uh, here in Colorado named. Dave Rodriguez, and he is from Red Lodge, Montana, and and boy, we all know that Jimmy Buffett song, rocking and rolling on a Livingston Saturday night. Montana is just, if they didn't have winter up there, they'd have a lot more people, but they have a big-time winter. All right, we're talking with C.J. Box. He's got a new book out, Storm Watch. It is the 23rd Joe Pickett, Wyoming Game Warden book in the series. CJ, one of the things that I think you've done very well and gives your books a lot of credibility when you're writing about Joe Pickett is that you have aged Joe Pickett and his wife and his daughters. Um, I think that that gives the books a little bit more readability. Now, Janet Ivanovich has been very successful with her 28 Stephanie Plum novels. And she has told me, Mike, Stephanie Plum is always going to be in her early 30s. She's always going to be this ditzy uh, bond enforcement officer. And I've had other authors say, we cannot. Robert Parker, when he was alive, he said, I just can't age Spencer, even though Readers like you, Mike, know that he served in the Army during the Korean War. So if I write a book in 2000, some of the physical stuff gets a little problematic. I think the way you've aged Joe Pickett, his wife and his family, uh, I think that that adds to the readability. And you've done that again in Stormwatch, CJ. Right. Thank you so much for pointing that out. Yeah, that's um, 
Joe Pickett's daughters, in the, in, especially his oldest daughter, in the very first book open season back in 2001, was seven years old. Yeah. And some of the book is told from her point of view. Now, in the current book, she's out of college, um, working as an apprentice falconer for his friend Nate Romanowski. But for me, um, you know, writing the family as they mature and um, get new skills and take on and get, you know, have different experiences um, makes each book a little different and interesting to start with. And when I hear from readers, um, they often talk in more about the, the, the family and how they've aged over the years and gone different directions than they do about the plot lines or the, the thriller as- aspect. So um, it's something I like to do. Um, Joe Pickett is now 51. I realized a few years ago I didn't know, ha- know how old he was, so I had to go back <laughs> to the very first book and find the age and then plot it out. For, hey, Joe, for how old are you anyway? All right, welcome back to The Restaurant Show, where we have not only talked about travel and movies and books and so but we've been spending a lot of time talking about travel. I've got Warren Erbson, the official travel agent of The Mike Boyle Restaurant Show. We recently did an hour on the 25 most beautiful cities in the world, um, three of them in the United States, 25 around the world. And I said to Warren, you know, we ought to get you back and talk a little bit about a couple of our favorites that maybe didn't make the list. And uh, you mentioned Lake Como and Tuscany in northern Italy. Um, I mentioned Prague. I mentioned Jerusalem. You said if there was only one place in the world you could go on another trip, it would be somewhere in Israel. Uh, fascinating country. Uh, what about uh, what about something like? And we talked also about <laughs> how so many places are just getting overrun because as articles get written, as they become popular, they become Americanized. I have worked my entire life at traveling and doing the same with my daughter to get places before they become over-traveled, over-Americanized, over-populated. Let me give you an example. Costa Rica is very hot, but Panama's got some wonderful areas. Playa Blanca, you've got the Canal Zone. If you've got the nerve, you can go up a little farther into El Salvador. You can go down to El Tunco, some of the best waves in the world. You can go to Honduras. I know, the murder capital of the world, Tegucigalpa, but you can also go out to San Pedro Sula. You can go to Copan, Mayan ruins that they found out there. Guatemala City gets a bad rap, but the Mayan ruins of Tecal, um, absolutely fabulous. Belize is a beautiful country with wonderful islands off called Keys that uh, you can go and relax, swim, surf. Uh, um, they got a little bit of surf down there. Uh, you can uh, fish. You can enjoy those countries. But <laughs> I think it's important to try to get to places sometimes worn they're a little bit off the beaten path. Uh, you know, Machu Picchu now, you have to have reservations. I grew up... California, then Hawaii. We used to just get in a boat and go out to Pearl Harbor. Now you have to get a reservation just to go out and see the Arizona Memorial. But I would say this. I would say if somebody wants to go to Peru, Lima, right down there, the cliffs, the bluffs, the food, the ceviches, and then maybe go up to Cusco if you don't want to go into Machu Picchu, if you don't want to hike it. But Cusco is a town at almost 12,000 feet. They have the longest, biggest summer solstice parade anywhere in the world. It's absolutely fascinating. So I'd put Cusco on my list. What's another place you might have on yours, Warren? 
Well, I agree with Cusco. Uh, and the thing with Cusco, when you, you arrive, because of being at 12,000 feet, uh-huh. first thing they do is serve you a cup of coca tea made with cocaine to l- loosen your arteries so uh, you don't have problems. Uh, we sh- Somehow we should be doing some of that in some of our ski areas here would ease things up a bit. But uh, Cusco is a wonderful place. Uh, and... Uh, Machu Picchu, of course, is a must-see. A couple of other places uh, that I was thinking of, uh, you know, looking back in, in Europe that I've loved. One is- All right, folks, 447 is the time. I apologize for that. That's a great interview with C.J. Box, but a technical glitch back at the station prevented us from filling that, uh, finishing that interview. We will go ahead and... Um, air the rest of that. I wanted you to hear about his book, Stormwatch, obviously um, Operator Air here on the Mike Boyle Restaurant Show. All right, um, let me tell you something else about uh, something that a restaurant group is doing that I think is kind of cool. We'll just jump right into that. This is an article that was in the Denver Post this week. Denver's Native American restaurant, Tokabe, T-O-C-A-B-E, providing meals to North Dakota Reservation. Matt Chandra and Ben Jacobs. You've heard one of them or both of them on the show in the past when they opened Takabi down there on Arapahoe Road, just a little bit west of I-25. Latest Endeavor aims to reach the kitchens of tribal members with the launch of their direct-to-tribe ready meal program. The minds behind the Native American restaurant are taking their culinary skills directly to Indian country with a new program aimed at providing healthy meals to tribal members. Co-owners Ben and Matt first opened Takabi, an American Indian eatery, at 3536 West 44th in 2008 as, quote-unquote, the only American Indian-owned and operated restaurant in the metro Denver specializing in Native American cuisine. A second outpost in Greenwood Village at 8181 East Arapahoe Road opened in 2015. Spurred by by the COVID-19 pandemic, the pair officially expanded the company in 2021 as Takabe Indigenous Marketplace, an online marketplace selling native and indigenous ingredients. All of us saw the supply chain being decimated through COVID and people not having access to food. We said, well, Now we know what to do, said Jacobs. Their latest endeavor aims to reach kitchens of tribal members with the launch of their direct-to-tribe ready meal program. We're going to go ahead and take a break, and we'll tell you a little bit about that. Um, You know what? It's nice to see restaurant tours um, working as they have since the beginning of time to be contributors to the community. We'll come back and tell you more about that on The Restaurant Show. It's Mike, and everybody loves a good steak, right? Yeah, but sometimes we're in the mood for a nice, big, sloppy burrito. Yeah, and maybe sometimes we're in the mood for some Italian food. Well, why don't you go to Mickey's Top Sirloin? Mickey's Top Sirloin, 6950 North Broadway in North Denver, just off of 70 and I-25. Yes, it's a Top Sirloin house. They've got great steaks. They've got great porterhouse steaks. But they also serve some wonderful Mexican dishes, and they've got some wonderful Italian dishes as well. They've got a great full-service bar. It's a really comfortable place. And 
you know what? Trace Welch, the owner, the place has been around since 1962. He's also got a place over in Commerce City that's just a little express burrito place called Mickey's Express. It's right there off Colorado Highway 2. So whether you want to go to Mickey's Top Sirloin and have a drink and sit down and relax, or you just want a big old sloppy burrito and you want it real quick, go to Mickey's Express. But either place is going to take care of you. Stop by. Say hello to Trace and tell him you heard about it from Mike Boyle on The Restaurant Show. Since so many of us are getting our information through social media, remember that Mike has a social media presence on Instagram and Facebook. If you follow him, you'll see photos of where he's gone throughout the week, meals he's enjoyed, new places he's found. He'd love to have you follow him on either or both of these social media sites. And if you want to correspond with Mike, send him an email to mike at mikeboyle.com. He'd love to hear from you. You probably know that he has a website at mikeboyle.com that gives you show information, upcoming events, photos, blogs, and more. And all of these options, in addition to shows every Saturday and Sunday, are brought to you with thanks to Trestle's Coastal Cuisine in Castle Pines, Black Hat Cattle Company in Kittredge, Cuba Cuba with seven locations throughout the metro area, and the Tailgate Tavern in Parker. So be looking out for upcoming shows and upcoming meal deals where we visit area restaurants and get you great meals at great deals. However you get your information, and regardless of how often you can join Mike, he's happy to have you. Fat Albert's in Greeley has been around for a long time. All family-owned and operated and serving the same great American cuisine for almost 40 years. A menu that includes meat, chicken, and fish entrees, even including the really popular liver and onions. Sue Albert, the owner, also offers sandwiches, salads, and, of course, the biggest seller, the Monte Cristo sandwich. Not only a big seller, but the Monte Cristo is a big sandwich. Come hungry if you're going to tackle it. And any time of the year is pie season, right? Fat Alberts is known for their pies. Pecan, that's the favorite of Andy Feinstein, president of the University of Northern Colorado in Greeley. Peanut butter, banana cream, and Mike's favorite, the French silk. A chocolate cream pie with a delicious crust. Lots of chocolate and piled high whipped cream. Get a slice or take home a whole pie. Fat Alberts has a full liquor license, plenty of free parking, and offers dine-in and takeout. Fat Alberts is located at 1717 23rd Avenue in Greeley. For hours of operation, give them a call at 970-356-1999 or check them out at fat-alberts.com. News Talk 710, KNUS. Listen live on Odyssey. KNUS Denver. It was a perfect day for the end of May, they say a record high. All right, it's not the end of May, there's not a record high, it is the end of February, and we have a beautiful day, where I'm sure we still have a little bit more weather ahead of us, but this Wednesday will be March 1st, and I don't know about you, but uh, when I hear March, I just kind of think spring. I know it's not the official start of spring, but the grass starts to green up, the trees start to bud, and uh, and uh, you know what, so I'm just... I, I'm kind of waiting January, February. I save all of my weather complaining for January and February. Uh, So I'm just about out of my complaint range. Getting back to Denver's Native American restaurant, Takabe, providing meals to North Dakota Reservation. The latest endeavor of Ben and Matt, owners of these restaurants, aims to reach kitchens of tribal members with the launch of their ready to tri- uh, direct-to-tribe ready meal program, which will provide monthly meal deliveries to the Spirit Lake tribe in North Dakota over the next two years. Jacob, 
who belongs to the Osage Nation in Oklahoma, describes his ultimate goal as eventually distributing to other tribes as well. The first shipment of 2,200 meals, which uses ingredients from native businesses and people, kicked off the program about two weeks ago. The fully cooked food arrives ready to heat and will go to participants in the food distribution program on Indian reservations, which serves income-eligible households on reservation and other select Native American families. This is like a culmination of everything that I've really wanted to do through most of my life, to be honest, said Jacobs. We can make generational impact on multiple levels through feeding people. Colorado is home to two federally recognized tribes, the Southern Ute Indian Tribe and the Ute Mountain Tribe. Ute, a lot of Utes in there, both in the Four Corners region. A number of tribal nations resided in or had territory extended into what became Colorado, including the Apaches, Arapaho, Cheyenne, Pueblo, Shoshone, Comanche, Kiowa, and Navajo. Uh, Jacobs grew up in Colorado's capital city after his mother secured a job at the American, I beg your pardon, the Denver Indian Center. Uh, we never left because of Denver has a large native population, which was attributed to the Indian Relocation Act of 1956, which pushed Native Americans into select cities, including Denver from reservations. Anyway, these these are two. I haven't had them on for years. But I had um, one or both of them, I don't really recall, when they opened the store at 8181 East Arapahoe Road. And uh, you know what? The food is very, very good. It's very unique. Getting back to a call that I got in the last hour, I don't know that American Indian cuisine is going to be my go-to. But you know what? Here's a couple guys doing something nice for the community. Why not do something nice for yourself and stop by one of the restaurants, either over on West 44th Ave or uh, stop by the one on Arapahoe Road and try the food, see what it is, see what they're serving, and uh, you'll be doing something nice for um, not only the restaurant, not only the owners, but the uh, Indian community while you're doing something for, nice for yourself, checking out a new cuisine. Speaking of 44th, um, tomorrow I've got a studio show, but a week from tomorrow, March 5th, I'll be broadcasting live from the Curry Kingdom up on 44th and Wads. Um, it is owned by the same guy that owns the Curry Kitchen over on West Alameda Parkway, almost to 470, over there by Bandemir inside the loop uh, so you know the food's good we did a couple of events with curry kitchen he took over the spot at 44th and wads and opened up curry kingdom it's a beautiful re it's a big restaurant it's a lot bigger than curry kitchen he's got a full service liquor license and we're going to be doing a buffet on Sunday, March 5th. I'll broadcast from 10 o'clock until noon. I believe the special is on my website at mikeboyle.com. Check it out. We'll go from 11 o'clock until 1.30. But uh, the food is very, very good. All right, as we wrap up the show, I want to remind you that Randy Corcoran is coming up from 5 o'clock until going on beyond that. Always has some wonderful topics, uh, topics of the day, things to keep you interested. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to go ahead and sign off. I do want to remind you to um, 
Check out my website at mikeboyle.com. Um, told you about March 5th. We're going to be at Curry Kingdom a week from Tuesday, March 7th. I'm leaving for Mexico, the Pacific Coast, with a wonderful group of listeners. I can't wait to spend time with these folks as we get what it will be guaranteed warm weather. We'll fly into Puerto Vallarta. We'll go up to Nayarit and stay at the beautiful Rio Palace Pacifico. Uh, travel agent Warren Erfson has done an absolutely terrific job checking that out. Uh, for those of you familiar with my daughter's company, Gusto Mexico, go to GustoMexico.com, G-U-S-T-O Mexico.com, and check out her soft adventure cultural immersion trips. All right, so have a great rest of your day. Zach Browns, I got my toes in the water, my butt in the sand, not a worry in the world, a cold beer in my hand. I'm Mike Boyle signing off on the restaurant show. Randy Corcoran coming up right after the news. Not a worry in the world of PBR on the way. Life is good today. Life is good today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.